0: You can have seats. Good morning, Bayleaf Baptist Church. How you doing today? You encouraged by what we just sang? Incredible. My name is Jared Richard, and I have the distinct honor and privilege of being the senior pastor of Bayleaf Baptist Church. And so grateful. Thank you. I Jordan and I are so grateful to be here finally and to join our family with your family of faith we have been blown away by the kindness and the generosity of this church and cannot wait for what i hope is many years of faithful service together to serve this city this state and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ the thing that i am privileged most to do as your senior pastor is to to preach the word of god and we're going to get to that Right now, Can I pray for us as we prepare to worship the Lord through the preaching, the hearing, and the receiving of his word? Father, it is a joy to be with this people. Thank you for how you have called us together to gather, to hear, and sit under your word. And Father, as we prepare to worship you through the preaching, hearing, and receiving of your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and he would do his illuminating work in us to help us to know more of who you are, who you're revealing yourself to be to the pages of scripture and who you're calling us to be in light of your son as your people. God, we want to glorify you in every single thing that we do and we pray that everything that happens today in our worship would be glorifying to you. And Father, it's my prayer always in this moment of preaching that you would increase and I would decrease and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You've heard it said several times in the service, and I agree, today is an exciting day. It's an exciting day because it's a new day, and new is very often exciting. New presents endless potential as we think about what could be, as we dream together about what God has in store in a new season for Bayleaf Baptist Church. It kind of feels like Christmas morning to me, right? Right? You're going in the living room, you're seeing the tree, all these presents that you get to unwrap, not fully knowing what's in there, but knowing that it's going to be great. And the good news, I hope, about this new is that it won't be over in just an hour. You know, I think the Bible teaches us that new is a gift from God. New starts are part of God's design in creation, and they're a gift to us. It's incredible how God has given us the the promise and the gift of new. Think about new days. I had a really stressful day on Friday. I was really kind of frazzled by the end of it. But do you know what happened? I went to sleep. I woke up on Saturday, and it was a new day. And I was able to kind of approach that new day with a new perspective. We have uh, new years. And who wasn't excited about 2021 after 2020? And now that we're in 2021 i think we're all pretty excited about 2022 right because it's going to be new and the hope is that it will be exciting and and different new seasons all excited about fall the changing of colors and football after a hot summer that the promise of spring after a cold winter new is a gift and today is new there've been many years Many seasons of faithful ministry at Bayleaf Baptist Church under very faithful men, faithful pastors who have, have preached the word of God and exalted Christ. And now we're entering into a new season. And as with any new, it provides an opportunity for us to evaluate what has been good about where we have been and where do we want to go moving forward. That's the promise. That's the opportunity of new to consider what was, and to dream about and think about what could be. And what we want to do today, taking the opportunity of the new that God has given us, is to consider where we have been and where we must remain in order for us to to bring about or to inherit, to experience the blessing and the fruitfulness of God in the new season that he is calling us to. In order to help us, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Over the next four weeks, I don't want to just look back at the history of this church, but the history of the church, all the way back to the early church, and consider what they gave themselves to that provided the foundation, the right foundation for all that God was going to do through them and in them, that chant that transformed, literally, the history of the world. Because here's the deal, guys. We desire fruitfulness as a people, right? We want God to use us for his glory, for his kingdom, to see the lost come to know Christ, to make disciples and see the gospel heralded among the nations. But in order to experience that kind of fruitfulness, we must be a faithful people. Faithfulness brings about fruitfulness and we got to remain committed or faithful to the right things to make sure that what goes ahead is in the power of the spirit under the direction of God knowing that he will bless what it is that we pursue in the next season as the people of God now in this foundation acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 we see a a people committed to four things that we're going to get to in a moment. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the fellowship. They were committed to the breaking of bread. They were committed to prayer. And out of those commitments, out of that devotion, come some of the most incredible acts of God through a people that you will see in Scripture. Now, my hope is that none of those four things that the early church was committed to is surprising to you because I know. That this church, as a faithful church, has been committed to those things in her history. Pastor Marty was a faithful pastor. What a gift to this body. And he led us in that. And, and I feel it's very important that on my first Sunday, that I as your pastor and we as a people collectively say that as we have been committed and as the whole church, the history of the church has been committed to these things, we are going to continue to remain to be committed to these things, trusting that in being faithful to those, God will bring incredible fruitfulness on the ministry of this church. Now, before we dive in to unpacking those commitments, let me give you a little history, a little context about the whole chapter, Acts chapter 2. Many of you are familiar with the supernatural events of this passage. This chapter represents a turning point in the story of the Bible. It's a turning point in in the history of God's redemptive work. Jesus, the resurrected Lord, has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And as he ascends, immediately following him, the Holy Spirit descends upon the church in that powerful Pentecost moment. And empowered by the Spirit, Peter stands up and he delivers one of the most incredible, gospel-centered, gospel-saturated, Christ-exalting sermons in the history of the world. And what happens as a result of all this spiritual gospel activity? Acts 2.41 says, 3,000 souls were radically saved for the glory of God. And then, as Luke unfolds the story of the early church, he tells us of the practices of the early church. He begins to show us these these people transformed by the gospel, the apostles themselves and those who have given their life to Christ, what they devote themselves to now that the Spirit has come to rest upon them and within them. He gives a picture of the ideal church, what we as a people, should strive to be as those who have inherited the legacy of this church. And let's see how he describes the early church in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Now, friends, that is a powerful picture of what the church is supposed to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I could get really excited about being a part of a church that looks like that. I can give my life to that, a people who are in awe Continued all of what God has done for them and continues to do for them through Christ. A people committed to sacrificially loving one another, bearing one another's burdens gladly. A people who love being around one another because they actually love each other. A people who have glad and generous hearts because of the joy that has been given them through the work of God and Christ, a people who are known and respected in their communities because of how they treat others and how they love the Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? Doesn't that Describe what we desire to be as a people at Bayleaf Baptist Church. But I think we have to remember that that kind of fruitfulness, this kind of church does not happen by accident. It's the results of some work. Certainly the work of God in, in saving those people and, and knitting those people together, but then their work and response to that work. And their faithfulness to what God had called them to allows for that fruitfulness. See, this people were radically transformed. People from every tribe, nation, tongue gathered together at Pentecost. They heard the powerful declaration of the gospel. God made them aware of their sinfulness, their brokenness, their separation from a holy and righteous God. And their eternal destruction that awaited it if God had not acted. He made them desperate for salvation and then he showed them his glorious provision for that salvation in Christ. And they gave their lives to following after Jesus. And they joined together with this people from every tribe, nation, tongue to be unified in something supernatural. Not common, but a faith given to them by Jesus. And our situation today is no different. You and I were radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We heard and responded in the power of the Spirit to what God had done for us in Jesus. And he moved us from death into life. That's a work that only God can do. And he did it. And then he called us together as a people. This people right here, Bayleaf Baptist Church, if you're a member of this body, it's because God has knitted you here in response to his gospel as he forms a people for his own possession. And he has given us work to do. And we want to be faithful as this church was faithful. And we want to pray that God would allow us to experience the fruitfulness that we see here in light of that faithfulness. And friends, if we desire to be this kind of church, we got to commit ourselves, recommit ourselves over and over again. Devote ourselves to the foundation that allows for this kind of work. Again, what were they committed to? Four things. Now, depending on how you interpret it, it could be two things. And then the the last two are actually clarifying the second, first two things, right? Okay, we'll get there in a minute. But there's four that are lists here. Four listed, four commitments, things they were devoted to as the early church. And we're going to walk through these over the next several weeks. Firstly, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. And then how are they devoted to the fellowship? They were devoted to the breaking of bread. Can I get an amen? And they were also devoted to prayer. So let's begin where we normally begin, with the first one. And talk about why the early church was committed to the apostles' teaching and why we should be committed to the apostles' teaching as well today. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and we must be devoted to it as well. The early church, they they thirsted. They longed to hear what the apostles had to say about Jesus and how what God had done in Jesus changed the course of redemptive history. They longed to sit at the feet of these apostles because they recognized there was something unique about what they were saying. That God somehow was speaking through them to his people and changing the way they looked at the entirety of their lives. You see, these apostles weren't just teaching normal teaching. They weren't just offering human wisdom or, or musings about life. They weren't offering philosophical debates The apostles were offering, and the power of the Spirit were the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ that He communicated to them when they were walking and talking with Him, even when they didn't understand it. Yet He was depositing a gift that would be given to the church. You see, these early Christians, they saw the power of God at work, they saw the continued legacy of Jesus. They knew what God had done for them in Christ, and they went to the apostles and they said, hey, we've got to have more. We've got to know more. Tell us more about Jesus. You walked with him. You talked with him. You sat around campfires with him. You experienced firsthand the work of his kingdom, and he told you why he was doing all of these things and, and how it would reshape the course of eternity. you got to tell us more. And they did. God God allowed these apostles who walked with Jesus and witnessed these things to understand something that that no one else had understood before the work of Christ. In in the wake of the work of Jesus, suddenly everything made sense. Everything that God had been building made sense. And the apostles were, were given to the church to help us understand more completely the full effect of what Christ did. And what God was doing in Christ so that we can experience the blessing and the benefit of it. Here's what the apostles did. They, having heard Jesus teach, having now the Holy Spirit upon them, they begin to think back to the work of the prophets in the Old Testament. And they begin to think, you know what? I'm I'm starting to see why the sacrifices mattered. I'm starting to, to recognize that that all of those sacrifices and the sacrificial system was getting us to the place where where we would long for a a pure and spotless lamb that would take away our sins forever. Not just for a moment, but forever. And and I'm remembering what Isaiah said about a suffering servant. And I'm, I'm seeing now that Jesus was the fulfillment and the culmination of all these things. I'm starting to think about the temple And how the temple represented our separation from God. Presence, but a limitation to that presence. How our sin prevented us from getting access to to God and, and the fullness of his holiness. And yet, now I'm seeing Jesus in the work of Christ. He's torn the veil. And so we have access to God through Christ in ways that we have been dreaming about. I'm starting to understand the the failure of the Old Testament people to be able to live out the holy and righteous requirement of the law. It was too burdensome. Their hearts were, were hardened. We needed someone to come live a perfect sinless life on our behalf and invite us into his righteousness, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done. The apostles were following the teaching of Jesus under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, recognizing how everything in Scripture had been pointing to Christ, and how in light of Christ, everything was different. And the people were thirsting after it. The people were longing for it, because it did two things. Number one, it it helped them know and love God more, as it pointed them to Jesus, and it helped them walk in faithfulness, to walk after Jesus. Isn't that what we desire to do as the people of God? Don't you want to know and love God more? We love him because of how he's first loved us. We want to know and love God more. We want to please him. Having loved him, we want that love to to show up in our lives. And friends, the apostles' teaching allows that to happen. As they take the prophets and they recount the story of the gospel and they show its full effect in the scripture. This is how we have access, by the way, to the Apostles' teaching, the fullness of God's redemptive story, the Bible. This is a gift for us. As God allows us to know and love Him and walk in faithfulness as a result. So let's think about this for a moment. How is it that we know and love God through the Apostles' teaching, through the Bible? Now, I don't want to make a huge overwhelming theological statement, but let me say this. We don't know God apart from God's help. We can't. You you cannot, in and of yourself, figure out or get your way to God unless he makes himself known to you. Our brokenness, our sinfulness, it blinds us even to the, the hints of his being that he's given us in creation, the evidences of his being that he's given us in creation. We could never get there apart from his help. We'd be lost without his help. I drove into Raleigh last Sunday afternoon, and I came in in a little bit of a panic because the night before, I had been driving about 10 hours with with our two dogs, in one of our cars, making the transition from Dallas to Raleigh. And Jordan and the kids are going to come later, and they were going to get to fly. And um, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying that's what happens. Okay? My joy to serve my family in this way. And uh, so I'm bringing the dogs. We have an older dog, Lucy. She's a Shih Tzu, and she's about 10 years old. And we've had her for a long time, and she's a nervous wreck when she uh, travels. But we've gotten used to that. But we also have an Aussie doodle who's about seven months old, and he is crazy. But we're also learning how to live with him and learning some, some things about him. His name is Baxter Richard, and we named him to my favorite Puritan, or my favorite Puritans, Richard Baxter. Okay, he's Baxter Richard. And uh, Baxter, we've learned, does not travel well. And especially his stomach does not travel well. And so after 10 hours of being in the car with Baxter, at 2.30 in the morning, Baxter begins to get restless in his kennel. And he's barking and whimpering. And I think for a moment he just doesn't like the hotel. But something much more was in the works. And so I get up and I go at like 3, 3 3.30 in the morning. I finally go and I say, okay, let's go outside. I let him out. I go to get his collar. And before I can get his collar on him, the evidences of his upset stomach manifested all over that hotel room. And it was terrible. Oh, so bad. It smelled so bad. I had to spend hours cleaning it up, and I still couldn't get the smell out of the room. But I knew coming into Raleigh, staying at a hotel for a whole week, I was going to have to do something to make sure that that situation did not happen again because I could not handle that on my own. And so I had come in. I had found a 24-hour vet. I wanted to, to get there. But then I also noticed that my phone wasn't charging the way it was supposed to. And suddenly, as I'm on my way to the vet, knowing that I'm going to have to call when I get to the vet to register because you can't go inside to any vets right now because of COVID, um, I begin to panic because my phone dies. And so here I am in extreme need, and I don't want to, I can't over communicate the need of trying to resolve that stomach issue, okay? (laughs) And I'm lost. I don't know how to get to this this vet place, and I can't register when I get there. And even after that, i got to find some way to get back to my hotel because I don't know this place. I'm lost and needy. And friends, in a much smaller way, that's our state before a holy and righteous God. We're lost and we're needy. There's a lot of stuff on the line. And without help, we cannot get to where we need to get. Thankfully. God did not leave us lost and needy. He spoke to us. And he spoke most clearly to us through his Son. He has shown us who he is through the Word. And he has called us and invited us as redeemed people, saved by God in Christ, to know and love him more. Do you see? the gift of the apostles' teaching? Do you see the gift of the Bible for us? That through this word, through the witness, the inspired witness of Scripture, the teaching of the prophets, the teaching of the apostles, the very word of God, we get access to God. Think about what we know about God because of the Bible. How do we know that God is love? Well, the Apostle John tells us, because God told him. He he says to us, think about how much God loves you in the whole world, that he sent his only son, his only son, to die for you. So whatever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. How incredible is that kind of love? How do we know that God is good? Well, Mark tells us the recorded words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verse 18. Who is good but God? How do we know that God is gracious? Because according to Paul, the apostle Paul, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, we've seen the, the grace of God on display in the salvation that he has brought about in Christ. How do we know God is holy? Well, because John, in a vision, saw heaven. And in Revelation 4, he tells us that the response to everyone seeing the holiness of God is to only be able to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty over and over again. That's how holy he is. How do we know that God is merciful? The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, after he tells us that we were dead in our trespasses, that we were slaved, enslaved to the spirit of this world, and we had a a future of wrath, we were children of wrath, that was our future. But God, who is abundant in mercy, has made us alive in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved. How do we know that God is righteous and just? We, we see it written in Romans 3, verses 21 to 26, as Paul talks about God's righteousness and justice. We know these things about God because we have the witness of these things. God tells them in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he is these things, and they write it for our benefit. And not only that, they don't just write the truth of it. They point us to Christ, who is the embodiment of it. Here's what's great about God. He didn't just give us abstract ideas about him. He clothed them in flesh so that when we see Jesus, we see who God is. How do you know that God is love, good, He's gracious, He's holy, He's merciful, He's righteous and just? Look to His Son, who is all those things in the flesh. That's how intimately God wants us to know Him. Not just about Him. He wants us to know Him and to love Him. And that happens through the Word. And then, as we know Him and as we love Him, we desire to let that love show up in our lives. And the apostles' teaching helps us there as well. Because they saw firsthand the life of Christ as a faithful son, and they received the teaching of Christ about what it is that pleases the Father. They tell us what we got to put on as new children in Christ, and they got to tell us what we put off as transformed human beings. Because we don't want to pursue things that dishonor the Lord anymore. We want to pursue things that honor him. Listen, guys, the gospel is transformative. The love that God has shown us in Jesus is meant to change us. And that change, it's got to show up. We, we should look different if we are pursuing God and his glory rather than the things of this world and our own glory. Because we've been called to live lives of sacrifice, We've been called to live lives of service. We've been called to live lives of humility and obedience. We've been called to live lives that look like Jesus. Because that's what pleases the Father. How do you walk faithfully after someone who's loved you so completely? You pursue Christ. And the way that we know about his life... And the way that we know what's expected of us in light of his life is through the Bible. I hope you can see, friends, why the early church was so devoted to the apostles' teaching. It made the prophets and the promises of God come to life on the other side of the work of Christ as never before. And through the witness of these apostles... And the work of the Spirit, they were able to know and love God more and see how to walk in faithfulness to him for his glory until he called them home. Friends, we must remain devoted to the apostles' teaching today as well. We must remain devoted to the Bible today as well the full counsel of God's Word. We have the gift of it being written for us. We have access to it. And the Holy Spirit meets us as we read this Word and points us to Christ. We want to know and love God. We want to walk in faithfulness. And God has designed those things to happen through the work of the Word and the Spirit. And that's why we must be devoted to it. Now, how do we let this devotion show up in our church so that we are known? And I want us to be known. I want us to be known for being devoted to the word of God because we recognize the gift that it is. So how can we as a people remain devoted, building the right foundation for the the fruitfulness that we desire God to bring about in our church? Can I just offer some commitments for us? that I hope that we can all agree on that we we have done in the past and we want to continue to build upon in the future. Firstly, let's be devoted to the Bible and our gatherings. Every time we gather as a people, let's be devoted to the Scripture. Let's desire to hear from God through His Word. Now, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. But I hope that you didn't come to hear from me. Because I, Jared Richard, don't have anything of eternal significance to offer you in my own self. I promise you, I am not wise enough to help you get to God. I'm not wise enough to help you find joy and satisfaction. The only thing that I have to offer The only thing that we as a people have to offer anybody looking for those things is the Word of God. Because the testimony that has been given in this book leads people to Jesus. And that's where life, eternal and abundant, are truly found. Every time we gather, friends, we want to sit before the Word We want to commit ourselves to expository preaching, meaning that the text decides what it is that we talk about week in and week out. I hope you don't come hoping to hear the words of men. I hope that you come. I want us to come hoping to hear the word of God and trusting that he's given it to us. That's what we want to do when we gather, when we gather in small groups coming out of this room, let's commit ourselves in the same way to the Word of God. We don't gather to have a, a book club. We don't gather to, to muse about the weather or our NCAA basketball. None of those things changes lives. They're not bad things. But at some point we want to get to the Word of God. because that's what's going to change. That's what's going to knit our hearts more to God and show up in our lives in faithfulness. Friends, let's read the Bible out loud. Let's let's hear the word of God read over us and let the Holy Spirit bring it to bear upon us. Let's memorize the words of God together, creating a a library in our minds that, that God can pull out whenever we have need of it. Because you may not have a book with you all the time. And guess what? Sometimes your phones die. And if you need a word from the Lord, have you planted any in here so you can have access to that? Let's sing the words of the Bible. Isn't music a gift? Isn't it incredible how you you remember things that are set to music? I still remember my prepositions because my fifth grade teacher set them to the Mickey Mouse song. Now, I'm not going to sing them for you. I just want you to trust me that I remember them. And I can't tell you how many songs that have been written by the church that just apply Scripture to music and they sit with me. I sing songs every night to my kids, songs straight from the Bible, direct quotes that I know because they were set to music. What a gift from the Lord. Let's do that. Let's pray the promises of Scripture. Let's pray the Bible knowing that God is faithful to what he has promised. When we gather, let's be devoted to the apostles teaching. Secondly, let's be devoted in the way we make decisions. Let's be devoted to the Bible in the way that we as a people make decisions. Not only in our our worship gatherings, but in the way that we relate to one another and the way that we function as a church. Let's be devoted to the Bible. Whenever there's an issue, whenever there's disagreement Jared, there's disagreement in churches. Yes. Because guess what? All of us in this room are broken, fallen people. I'm a broken, fallen person. Sometimes I get things wrong. Sometimes I don't say the right thing. Sometimes I make bad decisions. There's a whole host of things that will cause division and and unrest in the church. Whenever there's an issue, when there's disagreement, when an answer is needed, when there's unsurety or lack of clarity, let's commit ourselves to turning to Scripture. Let's not ask what does so and so say. Let's ask what God says, and let's resolve to submit to that. Remember, what we find in the apostles' teaching is not just the words of man; they're the words of God. They were given by Christ and the work of the Spirit. God has revealed Himself, and that makes this authoritative for us. His word is what matters. And let's make sure that we submit to that. And remember that whenever there's stuff that divides us, there's a lot more that unifies us. Our common faith, the Spirit of God living within us, and our commitment because of those things to the authority of God's Word. And finally, let's let our commitment to the Word of God in our gathering show up in our everyday lives. Let's make sure that the Bible is important, that we're devoted as a people to the Bible, not only in this house, but in our homes. We, we want the commitment to the Word of God here to be reinforced in what you do throughout the week so that what you do throughout the week then reinforces what we do here as a church. I saw a tweet earlier this week from Lifeway Research. And it's It's caused me some concern, not only for my own life, but for the life of the church. Here's what they found in their research. That on any given day, evangelical Christians are twice as likely to open Facebook as their Bible. You're two times more likely to open Facebook than you are to look at your Bible. Now, what does that say that we're devoted to? How many hours do we spend watching cable news versus before the Lord in His Word? Now, are any of us surprised that when we're devoted to those things, division shows up in the local church? That maybe a lack of fruitfulness shows up in the local church? But friends, let's not be distracted by those things. Let's be devoted to the right things. Trusting that God will bless and honor that devotion, that our faithfulness to his faithfulness will bring about fruitfulness. So as you think about this week, commit to reading God's word every day. Church, I don't really know how to read God's word. Can I just ask you to contact us this week, pastors and ministers at this church? It would be our joy. Nothing would give us greater joy than helping you know how to Take advantage of the riches of God's word. Let me just give you one practical start tomorrow. A great thing to do is to read a proverb a day. Tomorrow's August 9th. Open your Bible to Proverbs 9. Read it. Think about the wisdom of God on display in that and think about how it shows up in the life of Jesus and how you can perhaps put some of that wisdom to work in your life in the example of Christ as you seek to honor him. That's an easy place to start. But take advantage of the Bible, this gift that God has given you, be devoted to it, memorize, share God's word. Let's let's let the word of God take up so much space in our lives that it's the, the natural thing that comes off of our lips when we're talking to people. When they're asking for advice, when they're asking for encouragement, that we don't offer from a human perspective, but we give them the words of God. Let's commit ourselves to that. Oh, that our children would know our love for the word of God. Oh, that our our neighbors, our grandchildren, would see our devotion to the apostles' teaching, that our world would know that we as a church are committed to these things because we recognize the gift that they are and how through them we behold the glory of Christ. Can we be devoted to that? Will we as a people remain devoted to the teaching of the apostles' the Holy Scripture, the Word of God. Friends, if we desire fruitfulness, if we long to be faithful, we must. But also remember, you can't love this teaching if you don't love where it's pointing. You can't love the Apostle's teaching if you don't love the one who gave it and to whom it points, Jesus Christ himself. Because the written word gets us to the incarnate word. Do you know Christ? Have you allowed the, the testimony of the gospel and the work of the Spirit bring you to a place where you recognize your need for a Savior? And you've seen Jesus as that Savior. Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead to be saved? Have you repented and believed into salvation? You see, the four practices the other church was devoted to were all the result of a greater devotion. Their ultimate devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where you've got to start. And I pray you would do that today. We'll have some pastors and ministers here in the front. After the service today, we'll have people around. We would love to talk with you about Jesus. Those of us who are in Christ, do we love the teaching that he's given to us through his apostles and the prophets do we love the bible because we know it's how we know and love god how we encounter him and how we are able to know what it looks like to to let that love show up in our life to be more like jesus do we value this and will we treasure it above all as a people will we make this our foundation Wherever you are, would you bow your head? Spend some time before the Lord, asking him to help you know how to respond to the preached word of God. Again, if you don't know Jesus, I can't think of a better way to respond today than giving your life to him. For the rest of us, if we are in Christ, will we as a church remain devoted to his word? And when we allow that word to show up in our lives? Let's resolve in this new era of ministry to not lose that essential foundation, our commitment to the Bible. Father, would you help us see the gift of your word? Treasure it because of how it gives us access to you, to know and love you and to know how to walk in faithfulness. Let's thirst for your word. Build this community around it and trust that as we do, that response of faithfulness to your faithfulness and saving us will lead to gospel fruitfulness. And that's what we long for. Help us to know how to respond. Find us faithful in that response, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stay in church and respond in singing.